0: It's time for Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, outdoor writer Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee studio. Hunter's Blend Coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Now, let's get into this week's show. So welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast.
1: I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and and today we're uh, jumping right in. It's uh, 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 getting ready for elk season to be opening up in many states of the West and uh your host Pete Rogers has zero success on elk after many trips out west I've never been able to <laughs> never been able to get one and uh, uh I obviously am uh just really suck at killing elk so uh but I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm I keep putting in for my tag so I one day maybe I'll get lucky enough and find one who's willing to commit suicide and jump in front of me uh, but but Ralph and Vicky have a lot of experience with elk hunting through the years and so we're going to rely on them uh today in today's podcast and on their expertise and their experience uh on uh on hunting elk so ralph once you get it started for uh in many places it opens up the end of august beginning of september so what would it be uh you know and on that when you put in for a tag nowadays from the east anyway you have to apply for a specific zone um in some states so We've already decided where, you know, northwest Colorado or or central west uh, Wyoming or whatever it's going to be. We've already kind of picked our our area out because we have to do that whenever we apply for the tag. So now that we've done that, what do we do next?
2: Uh, Probably one of the best things, you know, and one of the first things is, like you said, you know, locating the area. Now you pulled your tag. You were very fortunate. Um, or you you know the area that uh you can buy tags over the counter because there are such a thing um, is do your scouting now i 'm not telling you get in a vehicle and you know have the expense of driving all the way back out there. use topo maps, use uh, satellite imagery and and locate you know look at one the boundaries. To look at where your food source you believe the food source could be and, you know, where their bedding possibly is. North slopes, south slopes, you know, east, west facing. Um, and then the other thing, too, is drainages where there's H2O. Early season, one of the things that they they need, you know, is, is water. So if you can locate that before even going out there, what I, you know, I'm listening. Did you say water? I, yeah, h H2O oh. that's you know, water. Ralph, water. You
1: water. know, Ralph for the millennials who never have to learn the periodic table. Uh H2O is water.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. We had to yes. memorize exactly. the periodic exactly. table back in the day and they don't even have a clue what it is anymore. So, uh yeah, water oh, no. is what we're talking about. We're talking about
2: water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and uh, now I'm not I am not computer savvy, okay? So I take it to Vicky, RJ and and the guys here, but I I can pinpoint where i'd like to go especially with the water sources and then they could lock it on some of these new apps or your gps and what it does is it eliminates all that hiking and walk and you go to pinpoint because let's all face it we're on limited times that's right so i'd rather you know i'd rather get to where i want to i know you know is going to create better habitat where I, you know i believe if there's elk in the area where they're going to be because it's not a science you know, so many people want you to think, oh, my! you have to know what I know. The reality of it is, is food, cover, and water. Almost
3: a- actually any game. Just any like, game. You hear, Ralph, you just hear us saying it over and over and over on all the podcasts. It's food, cover, and water. And back in the day, Ralph, before you had, before we had the electronics and the computers and the websites and all those other apps that help us find maps and all the yep. stuff that we have going on, You would actually end up calling the the game wardens and the and the game, you know, fishing game and stuff. the, The departments to find out ratios and where they're located and where the higher numbers are, and the whole nine yards. Where now because of technology, it's so much easier. Right. I yeah. Mean, I, I
2: mean, I, w- I would call and try to find out the buck-to-cow ratio, you know, because here's the thing. It's, it's just like you can watch every show and listen to everybody say, well, man, I bugled in this bull, I bugled. Well, if, you, if you're if you in an area that that ratio is way out of whack, you know, you may not get those bulls responding just like you may not get that white-tailed buck responding to a grunt or a rattle. That's right. So, so I, I mean, try to, and, and this is where a lot of times, you know, you will run into the, a lot of your draw areas, right? Be, because when they can control the numbers on your lotteries, is a lot of times it's because it's a trophy area or something like that, right? And right. the odds and, and you know the population's more in your favor, but but the reality of it is, is you know j- just locate these things before you get out pinpoint them on your app or pinpoint them on your gps and isolate the time of wait. and i hate to say call it wasting time but isolate that time and make it more productive that's the the first and foremost thing i'd say pete well
3: Well, uh, and and honestly when, when we look at other things too is when you look at like you and i we've done this before where we go out whether we're hunting on our own or whether we're hunting with an outfitter, we would rather take the first day or two, yep. after you've located where you believe there should be water, based on your apps and everything else, is go and scout. Yep. Right. Take a day right. or two. It's not wasting time, no. because you're educating yourself, and you can find out what's in the area, rather than going into that area, blowing everything out, contaminating, because, contaminating the area, when you just go ahead and you do a little research and a little scouting, it's going to make you more successful.
2: Right. Right. You know, and 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 I, I and especially with elk, um, know the vocalization okay. before you get out there. And I've driven my wife and my and RJ and all of our guys around here totally crazy because, boy, when I know I'm getting close to elk season, oh boy, I got reeds, I got I got tubes, and there's, I got, there
3: there's elk bugling and oh, cows yeah. calling throughout our house. Like so, for the next month, it won't stop. So, I'm tellin', but I telling you, we that. live in Illinois, and I hear elk all day long. In fact, his phone
2: even is an elk call. At, oh yes, yeah, it is. I love my elk. Yes, it is. I do. I do. Yes, it is. Which we had to turn off for because we're filming. You know, what's really cool, Pete, is just the other day. I, you know, I had R.J. and Case, and and we're sitting down, and I, get, you know, I got them a bunch of HS Reeds, and we got them some of the the new grunt tubes, and, and we've got them starting. You know, their bugle tubes, and and they're actually practicing for the first time and, and i gotta tell you it's it's like th- through a it, it through fire or through 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 gasoline on the fire because yeah, i'm like yeah. how cool is this because yeah. they don't have a clue the first time that they have they hear that bull bugle and he's you know i i know what it's going to do because it's done it to everybody i've ever had with me and it just it it, it puts them it puts them down. That down, they're they're hooked forever. For right, elk. right,
1: right. But but to that point, or maybe we need to come back to it, or maybe just go ahead and do it now. Is is uh, you know, for an Eastern person who maybe hasn't heard an elk except on television, yeah. and they're they're in their den or in their garage blowing a bugle, they don't know if they sound right. I mean, it's no you, right. You, I mean, and and is it like a turkey where? It doesn't have to be perfect to still work.
3: Absolutely. You don't have to be perfect. I, every turkey sounds differently. Obviously, you don't want to go out there and scream, and you don't want to make your, your cow call sound like a bark because that's a warning.
2: Right. Right. You know. Right. You know. And, and, and I don't think, you know, if you listen to any of the competitions or anything, they sound phenomenal. But the reality of it is, is um, you don't want to sound like the biggest, baddest bull on the mountain. Okay. You know, you want to sound like a subordinate bull, a satellite, a satellite bull or subordinate and with cows, Okay. because now that big guy hears that little, you know, like little raspy call. But then he hears that he's got girls. Well, guess what? You just told him, hey, come over here and kick my butt and take my girls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before he does that, he's getting an Easton (laughs) through his (laughs) chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: So so it, so. Don't necessarily yeah. think you need to sound that, that big and bad. You know, keeping yeah. it raspy, keeping it shorter in tones. You know, trying not to do all the octaves. Huge and and you know, even if you can't call. I mean, if you can't don't. You know, a lot of people can't use a read. Vicky, you can't. You hate them. I, I hate mean, they, reads. But but the rea- but, but really, is you know, I like to read because I ca- I can cow call. I can do anything. With with both my hands available, holding my bow, right, you know, right, putting out right, my release, right. I really like that. But a tube, a lot of people go, well, I don't need. Why do I need? It? Here's one of the biggest things: if I take if I take my tube and I tuck it under my arm, and I have it exit the air and the call exit in back of me. If I'm calling by myself, I give the illusion that that bull's beyond me. Or that cow is beyond me. Right. This helps to draw that animal to come past me. Yes. Um, You know, and and, and if you're hunting alone, you know, just one is is playing with the calls, seeing how you can send that audio in different directions. Number two, one of the most, to to me, something that that I I would never be without, and that's one of our our Montana decoys. Absolutely. They they weigh a pound.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They weigh a pound. During archery season.
2: Yes, sir. You know, and and I mean, I hurry up, I throw it out, I undo it out of my backpack, I pop it up, I start calling. You you know what I mean? The other thing, too, a lot of guys are like, well, you know, I've tried it and, you know, it didn't work. Carry some fishing line. Because if you can put that decoy 20 yards out, and when all of a sudden that bull's starting to come in and just twitch that line and give that target or give that decoy a little bit of movement, you will watch him pinpoint where that movement came from and he's locked into that allows you to really watch his peripheral and pull you know pull back and get on that shot yeah, you know yeah, if yeah. you're if you're
1: alone yeah it's amazing how movement in a decoy is so effective it really is. Oh. It really is. Amazing. But but back to the calling. If uh, I know what I ended up doing, maybe this is why I haven't been successful. One of many reasons <laughs> is that uh, I just felt like my bugling was just horrific. So I just stuck to cow calls only. I never even tried to bugle because I was afraid I would I would scare them away because it it doesn't sound anything like an elk. It sounds like you know a woman caught her foot in a trap or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so and so I just uh, I just stuck to cow calls and said well. At least I'll sound like a female,
2: and that would at least, maybe if nothing else, put them at ease. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I I use, I'll use my reeds, okay, for cow calling, but I also have the squeeze, the squeeze boxes, you know, where you can squeeze. Yeah. I really like, once, I, once I'm cow calling, or if I'm walking in, if, and we know there's no way of being quiet. And that, let me tell you something, herd elk aren't quiet. No, they're and not. So they're going, ew. Ew, 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 ew. and they high pitch low pitch so you can one person can use a squeeze call and a read and give two different two different you know oh. octaves two different cow and calf calls so now you have that now if, if you're not if you're not comfortable with bugling here's something that all bull elk are going to do and that's rake oh, Grab yeah. a branch all right cow call and then start raking a branch that's it yeah you'll be amazed at how they'll, you know, that bull will, whoa. You know, because yeah. we've seen it, Vicky, and I've seen it, you know, and I've actually seen it one of my elk camps years ago, is, um, you know, you'll have bulls that are, their larynx are, are damaged from fighting. So they some of them can't bugle. We filmed a giant bull years ago, and he, he does all of the actions. He does his mouth, he does everything. He even bellows, but there's no sound coming out. Oh, wow. I got to believe that. You know, a tine stuck his larynx or something where he did he just, but he did all of the actions, and I'm watching this through you a spotting had, scope. You had show me that footage where his yeah, head, his head that?
3: lays back, and it looks like he should be bugling, and there's no noise.
2: There's nothing. There's nothing.
1: Oh wow, had laryngitis or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now for the you know, but, but, now for the but listeners. So, I'm sorry. As I, I was gonna say, for the listeners and the true novice, when you say raking, you mean you're simulating him r- raking his antlers against a tree or brush. That's what yes. you mean, correct. Yes. Okay, All right. Yep, so what you're doing yeah, is... Yeah, not
3: actually taking your rake and raking up leaves because yeah. it's fall. Well, no. you never no. know with some millennials
1: and <laughs>
0: people. That's
3: why i want
1: to be very
0: specific, you know. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers.
3: This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Beam and Arrows. Beam and is considered one of the world's innovators of carbon arrow technology. Beam and continues at the forefront of the industry by developing new methods and processes, forever improving their products. Beam and Arrows are used by pros and sportsmen alike for their perfect balance of speed, durability, consistency, strength, and value. Beam and Carbon Arrows, made in the USA and purely American.
0: Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now let's get back into this week's show. You know, no,
2: uh, but but what you're doing is you're grabbing a, a pretty solid branch and you're rubbing it up and down, just simulating exactly what an elk or a buck would be doing. You know, rubbing and, right. and what happens there is they hear these branches snap the whole nine yards. That if you're not comfortable with bugling, you'll be amazed. Or if you just learn to chuckle. <coughs> And just put that to your tube. You would carry that a little bit more. You don't have to bugle, but you start raking. They, you, you do do a little bit of a chuckle, and you, you'd be surprised at how it would gravitate them. That you know to really start solidifying. Whoa, right. this is the real deal. I'm coming in. Right. Okay, and once they see the decoy, oh yeah.
3: Pete, let's hear your chuckle.
2: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No.
1: I am Chicken. not going there Chicken. right now. <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. Well yes. I hear you chuckling.
3: Have, it's just not the elk chuckle.
1: <laughs> I have a little bit of pride left in me. Not much, but just a little bit. So no, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> you know what I will practice a little bit and maybe I'll consider doing it in twenty twenty four. Um Okay. Twenty
3: twenty four. Okay, you got four years, four and a half years. It's good.
1: Okay,
3: you know, I think so,
2: two I oh I'm sorry, I think two two buddy is is I want everyone to pay attention when when they're going and they're looking at the licenses and pay attention to the success rate. Okay. Because mostly anywhere you're going is in the teens or below. Right. So don't think you're doing something wrong just like you said, you know, you yeah. know what I mean the reality of it is is uh you know your success, especially not living in that area, you're going out. You, you, you. All you've done is hunt white-tailed deer. You're trying to That's do it right. on your own, and I, I commend that. That's awesome. That's how I started. Um, but the reality of it is, is look at the percentage of success rate, and also realize that that success, depending if it's legal or not, may not necessarily tell you it's all bulls. It could no, be right, cows. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, so if exactly. you've got 11 percent success rate, understand. If you even get an opportunity, you're doing really damn good. Well, I
1: think that's a very good point to make. Is it, is that it, you know we we watch these videos of you guys and others who who are killing these giant three hundred and sixty inch six by six bulls, um, and and you know so we always have these big dreams of that. But but uh, one thing I've learned because I've always I've always hunted on my own, never never used a guy to go to these public grounds. Is you got to set realistic expectations. Very realistic because when I drive 30 hours out to Colorado to go elk hunting, I have five days. That's all I have because I got two days out there and two days back, you know, because it's just such a long trip. So I have five days to hunt. So my realistic expectations are I usually get an either sex tag, and you know, the first legal animal that I have a chance to get, I'm going to get and I'll be happy with it. But an expectation is if it's a, a legal seeing them, getting them to respond to my calls. You know, all that stuff is, to me, a success. You know, just being able to find them is, because the West is big country. Big. Oh,
2: buddy. Big
1: country. Big country. Yes.
2: You know, and, and the other thing is understand the wind. Wind currents, are total, you know, in the, your mountains, you've got your thermals going up, you've got your thermals going down. There's a lot of different things. And, and, you know, I've tried to tell this forever and showed Vicky. you know, when she first started, like in the late 80s, and her, you know, where little smoke bombs, little kid smoke bombs. I, I one I just had an idea. This is years ago, and I was like, "Wouldn't it be cool if I could see what the winds doing there or down there?" And I was like, "How do I do that?" And I thought, "Wow!" So I ran into I ran into town in the Cannon City, and I picked up a bag of little kid smoke bombs. Now. Yeah. I held i didn't throw them on the ground don't start no fires, but what I did is when I went down, I held one and I 'm looking, and I could see how my wind was working, it going up or going down a valley or swirling at the you know wh- wh- where the valley ended, and I was yeah, trying yeah. to figure and I was like, it taught me, or another thing is if you pick up an aviation book on flying in the mountains, you they'll i mean i i'm a pretty simple guy. I could see pictures and understand them better than reading it. And when okay. they got arrows, fl- you know, pointing up, and they got arrows pointing down in the afternoons or evenings, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. And then they show how the wind cr- cr- swirls on the end of the valley, you know, on where, where you know it bottlenecks yeah. or it closes down. So, so a lot of this can teach you that much more, and and just allow you to maybe you know get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about that, and and we will talk about it in many podcasts. The importance of playing the wind whenever you're hunting big game. Yep. it's just it's just so crucial. It's so crucial. So if we've identified uh, uh, scouting before you go electronically scouting, find water uh, so that you can optimize your time there, um, and then learn the vocalization. Right. What would be your
2: next? You don't. You
1: don't have to perfect it. Right, like we said, you don't have to perfect it, but just know know that, like Vicky said, that a bark is not a good thing, and that a chuckle, may, no, and right. a chuckle may be a good thing, and that the, the difference between a cow and a calf mew, you know, and uh,
2: some, yep. so, sometimes yep. you want to use both, um, and so yep. just you know, and, and Pete, I, I remember this, and this is on camera. We we I, I had a bull working, and the wind was perfect in our air, you know, in our favor, and uh, we're in Utah, and all of a sudden. I hear elk barking, and I'm like, "What the heck?" About 20 minutes later, a mountain lion and her kitten come out. Oh wow! Okay. So, but but the, like you like you said, Vicky pointed out the barking. The barking told me something ain't right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and and that's the <sighs> funny thing because you always hear people say, "Well, I heard deer blowing," or "I heard the elk that the elk barking." They assume that they're doing it at them. But no, right, right. They,
3: they, and then you just give up. Cause yeah, like oh, we're done. We're yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I right, gotta get out.
1: They blow at other animals besides yep. humans. You know, they absolutely. So, um, but what would be your
2: would be your next thing, Ralph? Uh, on that, well, I, I think I briefly talked about it. You know, a decoy, okay. And, and you know, just because a very portable, lightweight decoy that you can channel the. You know, even though you're calling, if you're especially by yourself, but channeling them so when they, if he does come out or she, you know, they come out and they see something that solidifies in their head. Oh, there's a cow or there's a bull, you know, then it just relaxes them and allows them to work past you. Um, I think a very crucial part is if you're calling, make sure where no matter where you call from, that you're in a position to just hunker down, but be able to make your shot. Because lo and behold, if you weren't paying attention and you hit a bugle or you hit some cow calls, next thing you know, you hear a cow call or a bull bugle 50 yards away, he's coming. You don't have time to get start moving. So before you just start making a call, put your back against something. Try to break up that human silhouette, but also give you access to that you can move left or right on your shot without moving. Huge, huge. Because we've been, you know, I think the best way we say it is, you know, we've we've all been caught with our pants down, you know what I mean, right. in, that, in that. And Vicky, you've been there.
3: Well, yeah, and, and like Ralph was saying, even if it's just up against, you don't have to necessarily be behind something, no, because that's where, like, when I first started, you know, and even like sometimes when we get new camera guys behind us, it's frustrating sometimes because you don't need to hide behind a bush. As long as you break up your human silhouette, that could be in front of a brush pile and have a really great shot. You just got to watch your movement when you're drawing your bow back. And stay Mm -hmm. in the shadows. And stay in the shadows. You don't want to be where the sun's coming through the ponderosa pines on you and stuff like that. But always break up that human silhouette because there's nothing else out there unless you believe in Sasquatch.
1: Right, right. Well, that's another (laughs) podcast for another day. Um, That's a
3: different podcast. Yeah,
1: But uh, uh, would you say that it's... uh, would you even recommend the uh decoy during gun season?
2: Or would you not? To me that would seem like it'd okay, be very um, dangerous. I, I think you I think that's a completely uh personal call on every certain situation. Okay. You know, if you're hunting private if you're hunting private land, um you you know what I mean? Yeah and you I do. know you're the only one there. Uh if you're hunting public land, I, I'll tell you what, I, I would ask I'd ask the game warden because you know, or, or the, the the whoever is in charge of knowing how many hunters are in that area at any a good given idea. time. I, I mean, yeah. I I think before I did it I, I, I try to find out some of the details yeah
3: you yeah. know and it's, it's kind of like fanning turkeys on public land yep you know yeah, you just, just need to be a little aware of what's going on you don't want to put yourself in a situation yep. where you could end up getting shot
1: yeah no absolutely we, yep. we just want everybody to be safe and that's why I asked that question right that's why I
2: asked that I mean I'd like right. I'd like to say that everybody here you know make sure they acquire what they're shooting but we know how that happens yeah. sometimes the so, adrenaline so just gets going and, better yep. safe than it sorry is. it yep. is it is
1: yeah um, Um, I've noticed on some of your episodes when y'all were elk hunting that you hunt from tree stands sometimes. And most people that I watch and have talked to don't, they like to, to run and gun. Um, and, and so when do you see a good opportunity to set up in a tree stand versus staying on the ground and and going after the elk?
3: You know, honestly, it's going to depend on the weather. If it's hot. Which usually early season, you know, archery season, most of places, you know, whether it's the end of of August, beginning of September, it's going to be hot. And like Ralph said earlier, it's water, water, water. The bulls, they love to go and wallow and get all messed up in that muddy water and stuff like that. And that's usually what we end up getting set up on. A couple of time, okay. a couple of years in a row, we've hunted in um, out in Utah, and they had the tree stand set up because of the wallows and because of how dry it was out there. So that's a big part. I mean, you don't have to sit in a tree stand for it. It actually just helped our wind, our scent, because we were up above the ground, and it made it easier for us. Okay. We, we've run and gun for them, too, and you can go and sit in a ground blind. You can go sit behind some brush, and if you find water, like Ralph said earlier— you know if you find water early season that's it's a good thing that be to be pay, paying attention to
2: I think let's be clear. I I would much rather run and gun. Right. Love it, but it's I love so hot. I love moving and everything. However, it let, let's just say you know a couple of years ago it, the drought was so bad you couldn't right. you couldn't go five steps without you know what I mean. You it, you, it, it just the, the noise magnified. So there goes one. So that, right now I'm cutting twenty five percent of my success my chances because I'm making too much noise. Even if go. I'm cow calling, you, you yeah, know what I mean. I do. Nothing nothing walks heel to toe except man. That's and when right. you 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 know that you you can hear that you can hear something walking in the woods. You you're like, is that a squirrel? Is that a deer? You hear someone walking in the woods. You're like, that's a guy. That's a girl. Yep. Because yep. you hear heel toe heel. Shh. You know what I mean. So I um, you, you know, and the other thing, early season, um, or even I'm going to say it. You know what? How I started public land hunting. Um, I let a lot of the guys that maybe thought they knew what they were doing you know I let them keep moving all the animals and when they got out at about 10 o'clock you know I ended up having some major success in between about from 930 to, to 1 in the yeah. afternoon because yeah. all the elk were coming to drink and then they were going to back late you know to bed down and chew their cud and everything before they got up you know right at before dusk right right
1: so what I'm hearing is uh, water Focus water, on the water water, so water, so if water you,
2: well you know, and Pete, Pete, before we say that, you know, also trying to understand food. You know, look on look on your sat, satellite image, imagery and, and see where you've got big open parks so you know that the grass is lush. You know they're yep. going to be feeding there if you're in the pure wilderness. But if you're near ag fields, you pretty much know that those elk are going to be feeding down there all night, and then they're going to slowly work their way up into the deep draws and where it's cooler, you know what I mean, and shaded more, especially in that heat. And where the wind will be in their favor where, where they
1: can smell what's coming all that kind of yes. stuff. yes. Okay, yep. so so it's not yep. that much different than than the whitetail, other than their vocals. They're a lot more vocal, you know, as yes, far sir. as the way they feed and the way that they 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 seek out shelter during the day and and all those kind of. And they're more of a herd animal than a whitetail is, but but uh, yep. uh, uh, let's see on that. Your gear, um, I've seen and read things where people take that. That they say if you're going out west prepare to shoot longer distance than you do for your typical white tail at home. Prepare to shoot 50, 60, 70 yards for, for an elk. Um, is that realistic? Is that something that, uh, you know, for me, I still want to stay inside my comfort zone. You know, I don't care if it is a bigger target. If I'm comfortable shooting 40 yards on a white tail, I'm not going to shoot 50 at elk necessarily. i want to stay within my comfort zone. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think you're spot on. It's all a personal preference, um, you know. If if you're used to it using a two 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 pins, a twenty and a thirty, why chance it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I guess I started bow hunting. I mean, I, I didn't even gun hunt. I bow hunted, and the reason I fell in love with bow hunting was it's it's the art of the hunt. It's the skill of being a woodsman. It's the ability of getting within that zone of that animal. Right. Right. Shoot, shooting him at sixty or eighty or a hundred yards, you ain't in that zone. That's right. But but coming to full draw on a bull elk at twelve steps away, and he you think he could hear your heartbeat, and then he rips out a bugle and you just come unglued. Yeah, that's yeah. why I bow hunt. Elk.
0: We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host Pete Rogers. This
2: segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought
0: to you by Traditions.
2: Traditions has the most extensive line of muzzleloaders in the industry. From brake action to bolt action to classic guns and even muzzleloading pistols. There is truly something for everyone. Additionally, Traditions muzzleloaders are available at all different price range. So there is a gun for every budget. Traditions muzzleloaders... Moving forward with performance, value, and quality.
0: Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunters Blend Coffee Studio. Now let's get back into this week's show. All right, Ralph, you gotta you gotta help me experience that, man. Next time I get
1: drawn, I'm gonna hire you as my guide because yes. I suck at it. Okay, so we'll make sure, we'll, <laughs> we'll make sure that happens. But uh, but but yeah. So I think us, uh, you know. Do you need to practice longer distance if you want to? It's just going to make you a better shot at closer yeah. distances. If
3: you want to. And and the other thing, too, is is like when we're practicing at home, we like that 20, 30-yard shot. That's yeah. what we're comfortable with. That's what I want. But we do practice further, and we do have we shoot single pin, pins. We shoot the True Glow um, Range Rover, and we have it set. We do shoot further only because, you know what? It is a big animal, and sometimes if you get the opportunity to go ahead and put a second arrow in it if needed. Go for it go for it yep. at that farther distance That's right. know that you can. That's right. You know, I'm, I'm not saying take my first shot at 70 or 80 yards, but if I have the opportunity, I'm going to do the best I can to take that animal down as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, so you stuck him at 20, yep. and then he runs off and gives you another broadside shot, and he's standing there.
3: Yeah. Go ahead
1: and do another Absolutely. one. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot yep. of animals that get yep. away because we don't want to shoot them again. And, and, you know, yep. go yep. ahead and shoot them again. You know, yep. it's just another bullet, just another yeah. arrow. You know, and that way you can uh, um, put that animal down a lot quicker. It's more, it's more hemorrhaging. Yeah,
2: it's more hemorrhaging. That's right. It's more, it's more damage. I mean, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah,
3: and, and you know, and it, and we joke around. We say, you know, at the. The hunting is the fun part. And as soon as you hit that trigger, whether it's your you're off your gun or off your bow and your release or whatever it is, that's when the fun stops. Yeah. Because once you Pack recover that animal, you recover that elk, there's a lot of
1: work to do. You know, there's a funny story. I may have said this on the, the, one of the other elk podcasts, but a, a buddy of mine killed his first elk out there during gun season in Colorado. And he calls me and says, Pete, I just killed my first elk. How do I clean it? So we're on the phone. We're on the phone, and I'm walking him. I'm walking him through how to field dress an animal. I was like, "Dude, you should have had this prepared way before you went out there, you know." But but he got it done. But you know, you know, he got it done. And we and I I was giving him yep. some instructions. He'd hang up because his battery was dying. He'd do that and call me back. He said, "All right, I got this esophagus out. Now what do I do?" I'm like, okay, you got. It. Start quartering it, you know. Do you want to skin it or not skin it? Do you want to leave the hair on or, or you know, yep. all that stuff? And uh, uh, he ended up going and uh, hiring a guy with horses to help him get it out because he just he because he wasn't prepared ahead of time. So that's something yep, I, I think right. that we really need to think about before we go out there. Is if I am successful. Do I have the proper gear to take care of the animal? Do I have a really good knife? Do I have a you know a a uh, a fixed blade knife for game, or a bags. Bag. game, game bags. bags? Do I have a good pack in order to get it out? You know Alps yep. makes outstanding packs for packing your meat out oh, yeah. i mean whether it's they're traversed or they're their extreme line that's made to put your meat bags inside and be able to get them out. Uh,
2: there's a lot of good. I'm a big fan of that hybrid X, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I can still pack out a quarter, still carry all my other stuff in my pack. Yeah. And, and, I, and I mean, you know, you know but, but you brought up something too, and that is taking care of that animal. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about early season, we, we're talking about higher temperatures, warmer weather, bugs the whole nine yards so so, boy the first thing i'll do you know is not only open that up but i'm running i'm getting that whole entire esophagus out yeah because that's it's where it's going to radiate the most heat and once if i don't do that 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 green starts coming in and it spreads rapidly so make sure make sure that you get that all taken care of because fresh elk Ooh. Oh, the, buddy! Yeah. you can't put a price on. For up. those
1: of you who don't know, the esophagus is the first is the first thing to start to deteriorate. So you're and, and and if you want to have the elk mounted, you don't want to split it, the the hide up the throat all the way to the jaw. You want to go right. on the backside, and but but you need you need right. to get his skin it up. the yeah, you need you need to get his in, uh, his intestines out and get the esophagus out just as quickly as possible. Now we don't want to send you into a panic you have a little more time than what it may sound like, but you don't have hours. All right. You know, but it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, within minutes either. You, you have time to do it and to do it right. You get your pictures, celebrate with your, with your family and friends and so forth. And then, and then get to work, you know, and, and and don't just, don't hike all the way back to camp and then come back and expect it to still be in good condition. You know, you got to get that meat cooled down. Um, so, having said that, uh
2: what else would you offer for people for early season elk? Uh make sure you adjust your 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 camouflage clothing. Um you know, you're not you go lightweight layers. You're going to be moving a lot, go layers. layers. In the
3: mornings go. it can be cooler up on the yep. mountains and then you know, the sun's going to come up, and depending on where the thermal's at and everything like that, and then all of a sudden, mid-afternoon after your little mountain siesta, then you get to start hiking again, you yeah. know, and once that sun starts going down, you can start getting cool again. So, I mean, layers is the key when you're hunting early season elk. None of that
2: seven-in-one parka stuff. <laughs> you know, what no. you mean? keep it yeah. light, light layers, yep, and, and j- just be careful with that way. And I'm going to tell you right now, your first, your first few hunts like that, you're going you're gonna to create a pack. And a bag, yep. And then every day before you leave, you're going to unpack it and pack it again, and realize <laughs> that you don't need this, you don't need that. That's right. You're still, you're still going to end up with probably forty pounds of excess stuff you'll never use. But it's going to take you a couple trips to realize that. It and does. Once you realize it, you're, yeah, you're, you're going to have a pack down to probably thirty eight to to you know fifty pounds max, but you know unless you 're bi bivy hunting you got you need your tent and everything but but m- most most of the stuff really can be in a lightweight pack oh I had my your game bags don 't weigh nothing yeah, your, I had your my knife da- with a replaceable blade
1: my daily pack when I was out hunting was uh it was under twenty pounds, just you know a couple a couple yeah, of layers most of them are a couple be. layers and and my knives. And my, and my game bags and then I had uh, you know uh some food to eat, to eat during the day but that was it I think the heaviest thing was my three liter bladder of water that I carried with me because you have to drink when you're in the mountains you do not realize how quickly yes. you dehydrate at those high elevations you have to drink a lot of water when you're at those higher elevations.
2: And, and knowing, if you, know you, if you know the area, you've done your research, and you know there's a lot of streams and everything, as long as you got one of the filter siphon you know, you know, straws, straws and stuff, yeah. you, you know, maybe you don't have to pack as much water. That's right. But make sure you sure. do your homework and know that it's not a severe drought or something, that, you, that the water's there. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Because you don't want to get giardia, do you, Ralph?
2: Nobody, Been to done it.
1: <laughs> Thanks for reminding. Oh, you're me. welcome. You're welcome. Any, any chance I can? Yeah, I'll bet. And that's another
3: podcast. That's another yeah, that's podcast. Another I
1: can't wait to hear all those details. I might run out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, oh all right, uh, guys and gals who've been listening to this, you know, uh, if you've got drawn for your out tag or if you're going over the counter this year in one of those western states, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, for some of you, you may have been planning this hunt for. Five ten 10 years for that, For others of you, it may have been a last minute decision and you have a lot of things to consider, but there's a lot of good information out there. Um, to kind of bring this into conclusion is, you know, do your scouting, do your homework, uh, make sure that you can find good access to water, check all your gear and your equipment, make sure that it's all good, you know, uh, packed good and, and is accurate and you're comfortable shooting it. Check your camouflage, make sure that you're not carrying too heavy of clothing i know i've hunted elk in september when it's uh 20 degrees in the morning and 78 degrees in the afternoon and i've hunted when it was 70 in the morning and 95 in the afternoon so you know check the weather right to the last minute and uh but uh um, absolutely take a really good pack really good uh field care kit with you good knives uh good game bags um Learn your vocalization. Know, know how to call and where to call. And one other thing that I find is very important, and you can speak to this if you want, is the way the Western states divide up their game zones is really kind of odd in my estimation. There's, your tag typically is set for a specific zone or zones. If you get outside of that right. zone, you're now illegal. So, you need to know where those yep. boundaries are. And sometimes it's a ridge line, sometimes it's a stream, other times it may be a road. But be very, very clear that you are hunting in a legal
2: area. Um, it's surprising. Hey, Pete. So, something. On, go ahead. Something on that too is there are a lot of apps today. Yes. Right. That will help that, you. That that show you the lines yes. and you. So it'll track you. I, I mean, huge, huge advantage compared to what we had years. Oh, ago. Oh yeah. You can literally bring it up and go, holy moly, man. You know, I. Got, yeah. i'm I'm ten. I'm, I'm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I'm over. I do. So. So. So you. Great, great point. Great investment to go prior to you ever going out. With. It is. Get, and there's multiple there's apps. All but kinds get apps on one there. and there see the value of that because it's, listen, one one ticket. One ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ain't worth it's it. It's not worth it. Get that app and and, 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 and and you'll be amazed at how it will help. You
1: know, and, and for those of you who prefer a handheld GPS over using your phone, these same companies that make these apps also make the little mini SD cards that go in that have the same information. And what I like, and I like having my GPS as a backup, you know, because there's no cell service a lot of places I hunt, but I got GPS service. So I, you know, mark my locations on my GPS where the water holes are, where the saddles are, where the ridges are before I go. And then I can always find my way back to my camp, too. Um, But, yeah, just make sure that you're legal, that you have all the paperwork involved,
2: and that you're hunting in the right zone. Anything else you guys want to add to this? No, but I I guess I'd tell everyone, don't be afraid. Get after it. Because once you do it, once you experience it, I'm going to tell you that you're going to want to do it as much as you financially and physically can because yes. elk hunting to me is one of the best. Yeah. Well,
3: and elk meat is some of the oh, best. that's yeah. out there. I mean, that's you know, you get yeah. home and you make elk burgers at, on the grill, that's well worth oh, it.
2: Yeah, so, well, so don't, don't let, don't let the, big, the big sky country don't let the mountains scare you. You know, j- just right. go at your own pace. Do everything legal and I'm going to tell you, you, you'll be hooked elk hunting forever.
1: Well, that's what I've heard. Um, but the only elk burgers I've tasted have been <laughs> somebody else's, Vicky. So, uh, but but I, <laughs> yeah.
2: oh. I still. But it does.
3: We actually just had some the other Thank night.
2: You. Wait, wait. Here's here's what's funny. He just said that. Okay. Yeah. But the reality of it is, how many trips have you gone on? A few, three, right? Three or four. Yeah, yeah. And you still want to do? Oh, it, Oh, absolutely. Right?
1: I put in for tags again. Like, hey, so year. you're
2: hooked. Yeah, Pete. absolutely. You're hooked. I
1: love hunting the big country. I do. I do. I, and I just like hunting in different places. You know, I do. Um, so, uh, for all the listeners out there, you know, if you haven't elk hunted, do it. Um, and if you're if if this is your fifteenth elk hunt, you know, then uh, hopefully some of the information that we shared can can help you, and uh, and you can enjoy your time out there because it's all about it's all about the experience. It's all about just living the outdoor lifestyle, spending time out in God's country, and and, and just enjoying the passion of hunting. Um, so. Again, that wraps up this episode of uh, Ralph and Vicky's Outdoor, Outdoor. Listen to me, Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast. <laughs> I'll get it right. He in wants a to go outdoors. <laughs> That's all I'm it thinking is. about. He wants to go That's outdoors. All I'm thinking about the seasons, right around the corner. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And uh, uh, you know, email us if you have some comments, some some topics that you want us to talk about. Email us. Let us know what you think about the podcast. How we can make it better because we're doing this for you. So uh, let us know your thoughts and your comments and uh, come back and join us again next time on Ralph and Vicki's Off Grid Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Rogers.
0: Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you come back again for more Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers.